Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show. This is our first show in the new year. Yeah, we had to take some time off. We let all of our celebrities get back to in front of the camera so we can have you some guests. And to further speak of guests, for this brand new edition in the brand new year, we have not one, not two, but we have six guests for this one show. So I'm going to be quiet and let's start our phone lines, open them up so that we can get to our guests. But before we get to our first guest, I have an announcement to make to you. So stay tuned. We'll be right back and I'll give you the information about our big announcement here. Okay, before we continue on, I want to bring to your attention, we have an announcement to make. Yeah, we have an Well, this is our first show for the new year, but we do have this a very important announcement here about a nonprofit organization that we solely and 100% have a lot of admiration and respect for. So listen up here. We're talking about Clean Shot Sober Living. Now, this is a nonprofit that's been around a while. They were established in 2015, and this organization, a nonprofit, I should say, was developed to provide housing, resources, and services to those who are seeking to rebuild their lives from the devastating effects of addiction, abuse, maybe even homelessness. Life happens to all of us. This is a sober living community, and later this month, on January 28th, Clean Shot Sober Living is inviting everyone to come out and eat with them to support a very worthy cause. Yeah, this is a fundraiser. They're having a fundraiser again on January 28th, and we are trying to help them to spread the word about this fundraiser. Now, This fundraiser, again, January 28th from 12 noon to 9 p.m., and that's on a Friday. So instead of going to happy hour, you can add uh, the Clean Shot Living fundraiser as a part of your Thank God It's Friday festivities there. So this is how it works. Clean Shot will be having this fundraiser at Papa John's Pizza, located at 241 North Nellis Boulevard. So if you order a pizza or several pizzas, hopefully, at this particular Papa John's location, a percentage of the sales from either from the the, uh, pizza orders, you can do this by either doing a walk-in, you can pick it up, or delivery, and a percentage of the sales will be donated back to Clean Shot Living to help them to continue to support the noteworthy work that they're doing and have been doing for the last several years to help those in need. I mean, come on, who doesn't love Papa John's pizza? And it will be on a Friday. It's a great way to start the weekend off. So this is what you need to do. On January 28th, you can, again, you can order your pizzas at the location of 241 North Nellis by calling area code 702 
434-5252. Or again, you can just walk in at that location or you can make a delivery order at that 241 North Nellis Papa John's location. You need to mention that your order is to help the Clean Shot Living Fundraiser. That's the key. Tell them, hey, this is my order. I want 12 pizzas or however many you want. And I want my order to be connected to the Clean Shot Living Fundraiser. And that's it. That's it. Now, listen, you can get more information about this wonderful nonprofit by visiting their website, which is www.cleanshotliving.com. That's it. And you can just see all of the wonderful work that they are currently doing and have done to help others in the past. And we'll be telling you more about uh, more details about this important fundraiser. So it uh, makes me want to go and order some pizza now. So anyway, make sure you take advantage of that. And uh, again, I'll be telling you some more details about it as the uh, fundraiser gets a little bit closer. Okay. If you've ever thought about really doing something about changing your diet Losing that weight, first of the year, how many times have we done that one? But this year, it could be really different. It really could. You could really do it. Because if you've ever thought about maybe going vegan or just going mostly plant-based, listen up. My guest has a new book. The title of it is Once Upon a Time, We Ate Animals, The Future of Food. And the author is acclaimed writer and anthropologist, Roanne Van Voorst. And believe me, this is not the kind of book that beats you across the head and tries to make you feel guilty if you are not vegan or if you are not plant-based. It's a book that is very informative, it's very factual, and it just kind of presents to us a, a possible world that if we did not eat animals or use them for any type of products at all. Just had a, a whole world that is uh, has a plant-based lifestyle. And if it's widespread all over the globe, that's pretty much the synopsis of the book. I'm going to be quiet and bring on our guest. I see that she, our line is blinking. The, the uh, author again is Roanne Van Voorst. The title of the book, Once Upon a Time, We Ate Animals, The Future of Food. So let's bring on Roanne right now to give us more details about this very fascinating new book that I really enjoyed and I think that you will too. So let's bring her on right now. The interruption, we're now connected with the line of Janice Malone. We do have Roanne Van Voorst standing by. All right, we are ready. Hello, Roanne. Hello, lovely to be here. Yes, well, we are all here and accounted for. So, um, congratulations on this wonderful book, Once Upon a Time We Ate Animals, The Future of Food. It, the title reads like a movie already that we need to be watching here. Well, that's a good start. <laughs> I mean, I hope that I, I sketched kind of a visualizing new future, something that we can't imagine yet, but that might occur. So then filming sounds really good. It really does. So here we are, you know, at the dawning of a brand new year. So uh, if anyone out there has thought about or tampered with or, or just kind of hinted at becoming vegan, I think your book, reading your book is a great start. So you, you write among the many uh, informative uh, information that you have in this book that a massive shift towards eating more vegan is already taking place. Can you just give us a little summary of, of what that shift is looking like? It's 
interesting, right? So, so I'm an anthropologist, but I'm also a futurist, so I have a double background. So what I try to do always in all of my work is I try to not just sketch a scenario that is realistic, but I also try to feel in what does that look like? What will it do to our relationships? What will it, um, what will it do to the kitchen table? You know, all of these things. And so what you see now is that really there is a massive shift going on. Um, you see, especially the younger generation is going for the meat alternatives, for the plant-based milks, for the plant-based cheeses. It becomes much more normal to do so. You also see that investors and smart business guys are now investing in the plant-based alternatives. So just, you know, there's so many examples I give in the book, but there are the bigger meat companies that are now going plant-based or they become the biggest investors. There are big um, egg corporates that are now going for the alternatives because they say it's just more lucrative. There's research going on in many labs on how to make meat without the animals but with the same taste and structure. So, And you see a lot of, and this is what I found so interesting, uh, you see a lot of relationships kind of struggles, I would say, where one partner is already turning vegan or vegetarian and the other one is kind of still, like, I understand you, babe, but still, like, I really love this dish. I'm not ready to let go. And that gives friction sometimes. And there's even a bunch of people now calling themselves vegan sexuals. And oh, they goodness. date only with other vegans. That's the new one. Vegan sexuals. I know. They exist, wow. and they even have their their own dating platforms. I kid you not. Oh, goodness. I've got to explore that. I have, just for knowledge, I need to know this. You're giving me something, some homework to do here, Roanne. That's amazing. That <laughs> is amazing. Well, you, one of the many, many, like I said, this book is just filled with information that you never thought about or, or did not know existed. It's not just about becoming vegan. You have... You've done such an amazing job with research and facts and figures and such. But this is what was interesting. Now, I see where you say veganism can be just as unhealthy as non-veganism. How can that be? Yeah, I think, you know, I wanted to debunk myths and not just the myths that we perhaps uh, all believe in, like, um, you know, or most of us believe in, like, we've always eaten meat, which is not true, we know now, but that's still not in the history books, or we need animal protein in order to stay healthy. Those are kind of the more popular myths that I debunk, but I also consider a couple of other myths that have become popular more recently, and one of them is, like, oh, if you turn vegan, you're going to be super healthy, which is not the case. You can eat a very unhealthy vegan diet, just like you can eat a very unhealthy diet which has animal protein in it. Vodka is vegan. Potato mm -hmm. chips are vegan. You know, if you want to live of that, good luck with it. But of course, you can also eat a very healthy vegan diet if you make it wholesome. And if you just have a little bit of common sense and a Google search, you know what to eat. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. But you'll have to do a little bit of research. And I also believe if you eat only a tiny amount of meat, it's probably not bad for you at all, you know. Mm -hmm. So I really want to be honest here so, so people can make their own decisions. Why do you say that eating is a form of voting? To explain that one. 
Yeah, I think what happens now is that if you walk into a supermarket and you decide to spend your money on a plant-based burger, you're essentially showing first the supermarket managers that you are interested in more of those burgers. You want to support with your money perhaps a startup that is making that and experimenting with that. Well, if you would opt for, you know, the cheap and big uh, piece of pig meat, you're supporting that. And you're showing the supermarket, essentially, we want more of this, not of the plant-based stuff. And so you really see this in restaurants a lot. Like, I love going out for dinner, and sometimes I go to a restaurant where the chef is not yet familiar with vegan options. And so I'll ask him, and he or she will make something, but it's not on the menu. Then I come back, and I come back another time, and at some point, it will be on the menu. It's mm-hmm. essentially showing what the audience is longing for. And people who make money in the food industry are essentially looking for making money, right? So if we show them what we want to see more of in the future by buying it, then it will become the future because they will buy in more of that product. Okay, makes a lot of sense. And and so Mm. as we're seeing this shift, what do you see will happen uh, in the future for farmers who are in the the meat packing business or the egg business? What, what will how will they what would they have to just change professions or, or what do you see their future looking like? Yeah, well, the first chapter in my book is called "How Farmers Can Change the World," and I spoke to many farmers who actually did just that. They transformed from being a pig farmer or a livestock farmer to being a farmer that now produces lupine beans, for example. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they did it because they felt like, wow, I had to scale up and scale up and scale up in order to survive, and now I'm kind of stuck in a situation that doesn't feel comfortable. I'm not treating my animals in the way I think I really should treat them. Others were more, you know, interested in just having a lucrative future, and they believe the future of food is going to be vegan, so they transform just in time to, you know, be on top of the wave. And probably will save them a lot of money because they don't have to buy um, feed for the animals and taking them, bringing in vets when they are sick, and, and yeah, it saves a lot, a lot of money, a lot as a farmer. It can, yeah. It can. Yeah. Well, lastly, um you know, as you well know, vegans often have gotten a bad rap of being boring and sickly looking and kind of strange, kind of nerdy-ish, but that's all changing. So so tell us about uh, as far as, you know, vegans now seem to be kind of, kind of on the hip side, an influencer type. So tell us about the image. Yeah, that really changed, right? I mean, just... I don't know, two decades ago or so, people would associate them with being a bit pale, being a bit slow, and being very radical. Um, But nowadays, it's very hip and sexy to be vegan. So you see a lot of, you know, masculine athletes or very sexy chefs that cook plant-based, so turning the whole idea of what makes one masculine upside down. You see a lot of very beautiful, kind of trendy Instagram influencers, you know, being proudly vegan. Uh, You see some famous people being vegan. So it's really interesting to see how this shift is taking place. And I think nowadays it's associated with taking responsibility, taking a role, an active role in a history that is really changing now. And we're 
perhaps not noticing because we're in the eye of the storm, but if you look at the numbers, it's really impressive. The whole world is changing, and then it's up to us where we want to be in that change. And speaking of the whole world, I see where you did such extensive international research uh, in the preparation of this book. Just give us a, a quick list of some of the countries that you visited while you were researching. Yeah, well, I, I mean, over the past 10, 15 years or so, I have done a lot of research on, you know, the future of climate change, the future of conflict, natural disaster, and then I bumped into the future of food because it's also interrelated. But I used to do research in Greenland where uh, I investigated the future of climate changes. I used to live in a slum in Indonesia where they had an increase of floods also related. I've been in Haiti and Myanmar. I've lived in the U.S. where I did a lot of interviews. I've done interviews in Europe. You know, it, it, it has been a ride. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so uh, definitely, as you said earlier, this shift is taking place all over the world, it sounds like, and you have been there to witness and, and see a lot of it uh, in real time. So that's what an amazing journey. Just love it. Love it so much. And it's an amazing time to be alive. It really is. I know we've got our problems otherwise, but this is it's cause to be excited about for sure. So the book, again, is Once Upon Absolutely. a Time We Ate Animals. Might be a movie, maybe. Who knows? I'm in for it. I think so. I think, really, in all seriousness, I really think it would be a good uh, documentary. Really, really do. So uh -huh. we'll stand by yeah. and see. Is there a website for the book? Uh, there is, but people can find it through my website, rowanvenforce.com. Okay. And then slash once we ate animals. Okay, great. Well, Rowan, again. Or they can find me on Instagram. Oh, on Instagram. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Happy New yeah. Year to you. And thank you for this very informative book. I, I, I enjoyed every single page of it. As I said, it's so informative. So thank you for your work. Wonderful. Okay. Well, to speak to you. Okay, thank you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Okay, we are back with more of Film Festival Radio Show here. What a fascinating book that is. Really, I'm not kidding. I, you know, I got a lot of books. I read a lot of books, of course. And this one is a keeper. The Future of Food. Well, the full title, Once Upon a Time We Ate Animals, The Future of Food. Lots of information in there I never had thought about. I mean, it will really open your eyes to uh, just a just open your eyes. So run out and get it. Good way to start the year off here. Okay, to further speak of guests here, we have uh, three guests that will be joining us like right now. If you saw the premiere last night, Ladies Who List on the OWN television network, I'm sure you saw the, promo the promos. They've been doing a very good job on doing the promos there. I think this is going to be a really big show. Ladies Who List on the OWN Network. It is uh, the full title, Ladies Who List Atlanta. Get the full title correctly. So these uh, ladies, there's six of them. Let me back up. First of all, this is a reality show, unscripted reality show, eight episode series, which follows and profiles six very beautiful, very talented, and very smart African-American women who are high-end real estate experts in the Atlanta area. Now, the show premiered last night, as I said, on OWN, and we 
did not get a chance to talk to all six of the stars, but we did talk to three of the cast members earlier in the week. So uh, we pre-recorded that interview. So in this interview, you're about to hear talking to Robin Andrade. I get her last name wrong. A-N-D-R-A-D-E. Andrade. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Tiffany Hawes and Tiana Harrison. Robin, I'm sorry if I messed your last name up. But again, these are three of the cast members of six stars of the new own television network unscripted drama series, Ladies Who List. So I watched it last night. I watched it again because I did get the uh, advanced screening of the first episode. So how many of you out there watched the show? Show of hands, please. Okay. That's a lot of hands. So we want to continue to support this show. Uh, they did episode one. They've got seven more to go. And these ladies are gorgeous. The homes that they're uh, selling to their high-end clients and customers are gorgeous mansions as well. So let's roll it. My interview earlier this week with three of the cast members from the OWN Network new reality show, Ladies Who List Atlanta. Let's roll it. Hi, Janice. Good morning. Hi, Janice. Well, good, good morning, Janice. Good morning, good morning ladies. Janice. Good morning, all three of you. So we have Tiana, Tiffany, and Robin. Is that correct? Yes, you got it. Okay. Well, ladies, I I say congratulations to all of you on the premiere, upcoming premiere of your wonderful show. I looked at the screener. Uh, last night, and uh, ladies who list, of course, we've seen the promos uh, throughout the week. So what is it like to, to have your own show now? What is that feeling like for you? Janice, we're famous. <laughs> Hi, Janice. It feels good for me today. I was a nervous wreck. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but um, this is Tiffany speaking, Janice. Um, it's been crazy, um, you know, just to know that, you know, Friday is going to be the day where the whole world is going to find out, you know, who we are um, as black women in Atlanta, you know, taking down this real estate industry. So it's exciting. It's scary. But I think, um, you know, if Atlanta could have chose late for this. And so to further. Yes, Dennis. So it's. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go, go right ahead, please. Hello, Janice. It's Tiana Harrison. Um, thank you for having us. Uh, it's, it's super, super exciting. There are some nerves just because you don't know how how it's going to be executed. I mean, we were there. We know the back end of things, and so. Um, but when I when it's all said and done, we did this together, and we were on this journey together. Whether there, you know, whether the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful came out, we. We, we did this together, and it's just exciting that it's all going to happen or we're going to see the, the start of it this Friday. And so, uh, the, the, yes, I'm here. Good morning. It's Robin. Can I chime in on your question? Absolutely, Miss Robin, because I really got a question for you, too. So go right ahead. So I was a nervous wreck, right? Uh -huh. I really was. I was unprepared. I'm not used to having the spotlight on me taking like little and tiny personal situations and then watching them explode on TV. Like you didn't get a chance to rewind or erase. So that kind of like filled me up with anxiety for a long time. But now I'm just like, you know what? We are beautiful, successful women. 
we do have emotions, we're human, and so is everyone else watching. And so that's it. No judgment. No judgment. Okay. Well, to further speak of, of ladies having, you're human, you're emotional, and like all of us, uh, I don't want to give away, of course, too much, but I saw in uh, the screener that that you and, and one of the ladies, um, it was a crystal, I believe, had some interesting conversations, shall we say, about the, you know, when you were putting all of this together, uh, was how much of that was real or was that just for the cameras or, or what? That particular, some of those scenes. So most of that was for the cameras. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, what part are you talking? Wait a minute, I don't know what you've seen, so I'm not sure what part. Um, there was, speaking of. there was a cup, there was a scene. What was I wearing? Okay, there was one scene where you were you you ladies were were at the lake, but before the lake scene, I believe you were in Crystal's office, and she kept reminding you, "Hey, you're in my office," and she says, "You know," she was kind of seeming like she was trying to get you to kind of wind down a little bit, if without giving away too much. Uh, you ladies were just don't kinda, give us too much, Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> well. So. So Crystal's office, Crystal's office is a place where we normally go and kick back and take selfies and have champagne after we close. And what goes on in that space, we're being each other. Like we're not the we're not the broker and we're not the lawyer. We're the friend because Crystal and I do have a, an established friendship since 2016. Um, but on that particular day, um, so the thing is, Crystal is. Oh, that I'm boisterous. Like she knows that I'm going to say what I'm feeling, and sometimes without thinking. And and so I don't always get that opportunity to rewind. So um, I don't know how this came through. This is on airplane mode. Uh, so what you're seeing with Crystal is real. Okay, so people will have to tune in to know what we're talking about. They'll be tuning in a Friday to know exactly what we're talking about. Well, okay. Yeah, I will, they'll have to tune in on Friday. They'll have to tune in on Friday. So since uh, all of you beautiful ladies and you ladies just dressed to the nines, I hope there is a, at the, in the credits or the wardrobe credits where we can, Mike can buy some of these outfits here. But um, – <laughs> I was wondering, the six of you, uh, you mentioned, you know, that you and uh, Crystal are friends, but what about the other ladies? Have, have do, Did any of you all know each other prior to the show or what? Uh, yes. So, uh, yes, Tiffany talking. Uh, so me and Tiana, uh, we've known each other for years. Our family's been tied together. We spent time together personally.
you know, throughout this process have established um, some foundation as well as Robin. And I've known Crystal since high school. So interestingly enough, Crystal and I know each other, but we don't, we're not as close as we probably should be. Okay, okay. So I was wondering, how did this all come about as far as the television show? Did the creators and the showrunners, did they approach each one of you individually, or just how did this all come about? Um, I can answer that, um, Dana. This is Tiana again. Um, I received a phone call about three years ago from one of the creators, uh, Monique Barrett. She and I also went to high school together. We are local. (laughs) So a lot of great things came out of Peterson High School in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Um, And so she called me, and she said that she was interested in doing a real estate show to promote and empower um, black women or the culture. And I said, well, you know, people have tried to do this in the past, and um, it may not have been um, totally representative of our industry. So if you're going to put people together, I gave her a list of names, and I can tell you that um, out of the eight names that I suggested, six women, oh no, five women are on the show, and then I had the luxury of getting to know Robin throughout this process, and she's been phenomenal, and I'm so glad to have like I said, been on this journey with all six of these women. So when he called, she asked, the rest is history. My goodness. So that took, it's taken three years in the making then. So this is not an overnight success here. Well, that's good to hear because some people think that television shows that just, you know, you get the idea today and by Monday it's a developed deal. But uh, that's good to hear that uh, some behind-the-scenes information like that. Well, my final question is, uh, have you ladies already started started to be, be recognized when you go out in public? Because Owen has done a wonderful job with, with uh, promoting the show, pre-promotion. So is, are people starting to recognize any of you already or what? media and our outreach already in the Atlanta area, people already recognize us. When I go to different stores, when I go to different things, you know, even when I'm with my family, people recognize my family because I use the social media platform uh, to brand myself and my business. And so I think with own branding as much as they have been, it's definitely elevated it a little, uh, but I foresee that on Friday is probably going to just elevate it just a little bit more, but yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That totally makes sense. So is there a big, huge viewing party uh, taking place for you ladies or what? No, with COVID going on, I think um, some of the ladies are doing something with their close. Absolutely. So, this is Robin here chiming in. I'm definitely doing a watch party um, on my social media outlet site because of COVID. I think that it's important for everyone to have their individual TVs on and not congregate at one television set because at the end of the day, this is all about the numbers and the ratings will determine how far we go on this journey of 
you know, showing you what we do. Absolutely. Well, we'll wrap it up here. Tiana, Tiffany, and Robin, thank you ladies so much. From Ladies Who List, congratulations on the launching of the show. And we'll, we'll be tuning in on Friday on On to see you ladies in action. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Yay. Yay. Bye-bye. This is Drew and Jonathan Scott, The Property Brothers, and you are listening to Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone. Okay, thank you to the ladies of Ladies Who List Atlanta. I really like this show. I'm sure, again, so many of you watched it, the premiere last night. So let's keep supporting it. Let's just keep watching this show because I really do believe it's going to be one of uh, the own network's uh, big hits in the immediate future. And to further speak of the own network, that brings me to our next and final two guests. They are two of the stars of the upcoming new drama series that will be premiering on the own network on January 11th, The Kings of Napa. And I'm sure that you've probably have seen the promos that they've been, uh, the network has been running for The Kings of Napa. It's, uh, yeah, have you seen those? Isn't it cool? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. I had a chance to visit a, a winery. I'll tell you about that one day. I covered a story, actually. But anyway, The Kings of Napa is a uh, brand new drama series launching on the OWN Network starting on January 11th, 8 p.m. Pacific. But make sure you check listings in your city. And so the synopsis of the show takes place on a Napa Valley, California wine vineyard that is owned by this family. Their last names just happen to be Kings. And this is a very prestigious and very wealthy African-American family, as we can see from the promos there. And so um, that's where the story is kind of like um, the old shows, Dynasty Dallas, or those type of shows, soap operas too. Uh, all of a sudden, the patriarch, the family patriarch, uh, has to exit and leave the winery and his three children must now deal with the future of this very successful vineyard and that's where the plot thickens so to speak well we are awaiting for two of the stars of the king's of Napa to uh, call in, uh, Ebene Noel and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. And we have seen both of these fine actors in so many different television shows and films as guest stars. So we don't have the time to get into the long list that they have, uh, the work that they have done, but we got to get to them right now because they are, their PR person is calling in, so we don't want to lose our spot. So let's switch over the line and bring on two of the stars from the cast of the upcoming new OWN television drama series, The Kings of Napa. So let's bring them on right now. Let's switch it over. Well, hello, Ebene and Isaiah. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm just very excited. It's the new year. I think what what better way to start the new year off than to have and be a part of your own television series? And that is the case with the two of you. You're the two of the principal stars of the upcoming new show on OWN, The Kings of Napa. 
So what a great gift for you guys uh, for the new year. So how is that registering with you? It's, uh, I couldn't think of a better way to start the year. I mean, and I, I mean that. Uh, to, uh, to have this show premiering uh, right out of the gate for 2022 uh, is very, very exciting. I agree. I second that. I was actually talking to my cousin about that um, the other day. I was saying, you know, it's weird. January 1st isn't feeling like the start of the year to me. She's like, that's because your new year is going to be January 11th. And she's right. Like, I really feel like now we're launching into the year with the launch of our show. Well, yeah. And to further speak of January 11th, that is the big premiere, world premiere of the Kings of Napa on OWN again. So everybody check the listings for their city for the exact time. Um, I know I only have a few minutes, but i got to ask you this. What were you to? What exactly were you doing this time last year? Of course, we were all, you know, a part of the lockdown. But what exactly were, were, were the two of you doing this time last year? This time last year, I was pretty much what I do every year. You're, you're sort of easing into the year. Uh, you're lining up things for later, or you're hearing about different projects and things like that, and that was pretty much all in the works. What's different about this year is that there is no easing into it. We're hitting it with a bang and uh, uh, starting everything uh, right off the bat, uh, which is very exciting, and uh, and the great thing is that uh, you got a lot of other things to come, but uh, I'm very excited about this show premiering. And uh, and being uh, one of the first out of the gate. <clears throat> okay. And Ebony, what what were you doing about this time yeah. last year? Um, uh, similar to Isaiah, you know, it was a slow start to the year. January, end of January through the end of March is pilot season in our industry. So every January, I'm just that I'm not already on a show. I'm just sort of getting my mind right for that and okay, it's been the holidays, but now it's going to be a, a slew of work and auditions. And I was just getting in the mind space for that. Um, so it, it's nice this year to be in a celebratory mood, <laughs> not so much a grind, you know, hustle mood. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to look a year later and say, oh, wow, now we're out with a bang as opposed to sort of burrowing in. Absolutely. Now, of course, uh, the title kind of, speaks for itself the kings of napa and so was the did you guys shoot the show on an actual vineyard in napa valley or, or is that just set good good set decorations well we shot the show i mean the vineyard scenes we did shoot on a vineyard but we were in um canada so we were actually in niagara which is you know um their wine country oh, and okay. it, it was it was just absolutely stunning. It was amazing to get to shoot on a real vineyard because then you can get the true scope of what it means to own that much land and to be responsible for that much production. So we were really, really lucky to shoot on an actual vineyard, but we were not in Napa Valley, California, unfortunately. Well, it certainly looks like it. So, uh, you know, the production people did an excellent job, the location scouts and such. So, 
Okay, so tell me, uh, what well, the time we have left, um, Isaiah, your character is, uh, you star as Reginald King, Ebony, you star as August King. So whoever wants to go first, tell us a little bit about your characters. Well, I, I play the patriarch of the King family, and uh, I've sort of brought myself up uh, by the bootstraps, and, and, and uh, uh, I'm a surgeon, uh, but uh, I have this winery that is very, very successful that uh, my children run. Uh, but they, there's a little bit of conflict as some of my secrets come out. Uh, it affects how uh, they deal with one another and how they do business. And that is some of the uh, drama that is that is driving the show. But uh, my character, uh, he's very grounded, very at ease uh, in his work and in himself. And uh, when I look at it, I say it's good to see, you know, um, <laughs> an African-American uh, playing a, a, a role like that uh, because it's something we don't see that much of. Most definitely so, yeah. And, and Ebony, who is Miss August King? August King is a millennial woman who is passionate about her family business, about um, her role in the family business, and about their legacy as a whole. Um, she, when we meet her at the start of the series, you know, she doesn't have everything figured out, but she's happy where she is in her career, and she's happy where she is in her life, her friendships, et cetera. And then with the events that happen in the pilot and the secrets that we learn about my dad, she's sort of challenged to step up um, as more of a leader in the family and in the business. And, you know, all the things that come with that, settling conflict or, you know, making decisions that maybe everybody doesn't love but she feels, you know, is the right way to go. We see her deal with those things and she grows from, you know, uh, a, a young woman who's on a bright path, but she grows into, into really a true leader, a true king, if you will, <laughs> um, as, a theory, as a series goes on. And my final question, of course, this has to be the most important question. Did any of the you cast members, did you get to sample any of the vino, any of the wine there, or, or what? You know, people yeah, always ask that. <laughs> Sorry, you go ahead, Isaiah. You said it. No, but I was going to say, we, we, we sampled some, you know, uh, within reason because we still had to shoot the show, so you couldn't get too carried away. Oh, yeah. But um, but we spent a, a lot of wines uh, and uh, got a great knowledge uh, on wine, and uh, uh, it was enjoyable. I mean, it's one of the best jobs I've ever had. <laughs> I bet. Well, again, the, the world premiere is January 11th on the OWN Network, the Kings of Napa, and we've been – enjoying looking at the promos that own has done such a great job with promoting the series the upcoming series so thank you to both of you for chatting giving us some backstory i didn't i had no idea you would have shot this in canada i, I love this backstory stuff so anyway thank you both and we will see you uh on january 11th in the kings of napa see you on the 11th okay thank you have a great weekend bye-bye thank you
Okay, we are so out of time for this edition of Film Festival Radio Show, but we want to thank all six of our guests. So make sure that you watch their shows, buy their books, uh, whether it's albums or music, whatever it is. Please support our guests because we enjoy having them on the show and we enjoy you listening to our show. So as always, thank you for listening to this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. And we'll see you guys this time next Saturday. Have a great rest of the weekend and a real safe next week. We'll see you guys next Saturday. Bye-bye. Hello, Ebony and Isaiah. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm just very excited. It's the new year. I think what what better way to start the new year off than to have and be a part of your own television series? And that is the case with the two of you. You're the two of the principal stars of the upcoming new show on OWN, The Kings of Napa. So what a great gift for you guys uh, for the new year. So wh- how is that registering with you? It's, uh, I couldn't think of a better way to start the year. <clears throat> I mean, and I, I mean that. Uh, to, uh, to have this show premiering uh, right out of the gate for 2022 uh, is very, very exciting. I agree. I second that. I was actually talking to my cousin about that um, the other day. I was saying, you know, it's weird. January 1st isn't feeling like the start of the year to me. She's like, that's because your new year is going to be January 11th. And she's right. Like, I really feel like now we're launching into the year with the launch of our show. Well, yeah. And to further speak of January 11th, that is the big premiere, world premiere of the Kings of Napa on OWN again. So everybody check the listing for their city for the exact time. Um, I know I only have a few minutes, but i got to ask you this. What were you to? What exactly were you doing this time last year? Of course, we were all, you know, a part of the lockdown. But what exactly were, were, were the two of you doing this time last year? This time last year, I was pretty much what I do every year. You're, you're sort of easing into the year. Uh, you're lining up things for later, or you're hearing about different projects and things like that, and that was pretty much all in the works. What's different about this year is that there is no easing into it. We're hitting it with a bang and uh, uh, starting everything uh, right off the bat, uh, which is very exciting, and uh, and the great thing is that uh, you got a lot of other things to come, but uh, I'm very excited about this show premiering. And uh, and being uh, one of the first out of the gate. <clears throat> okay. And Ebony, what what were you doing about this time yeah. last year? 
Yeah, you know, it's a slow start to the year. January, end of January through the end of March is pilot season in our industry. So every January I'm just, that I'm not already on a show, I'm just sort of getting my mind right for that. And, okay, it's been the holidays, but now it's going to be a slew of work and auditions. And I was just getting in the mind space for that. Um, so it, it's nice this year to be in a celebratory mood <laughs> and not so much a grind, you know, hustle mood. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to look a year later and say, oh, wow, now we're out with a bang as opposed to sort of burrowing in. Absolutely. Now, of course, uh, the title kind of speaks for itself, The Kings of Napa. And so was the, did you guys shoot the show on an actual vineyard in Napa Valley, or, or is that just set, good, good set decorations? Well, we shot the show, I mean, the vineyard scenes we did shoot on a vineyard, but we were in um, Canada. So we were actually in Niagara, which is, you know, um, their wine country. Oh, and okay. it, it was it was just absolutely stunning. It was amazing to get to shoot on a real vineyard because then you can get the true scope of what it means to own that much land and to be responsible for that much production. So we were really lucky to shoot on an actual vineyard, but we were not in Napa Valley, California, unfortunately. Well, it certainly looks like it. So, uh, you know, the production people did an excellent job, the location scouts and such. So, okay. So tell me, uh, with the time we have left, um, Isaiah, your character is uh, you star as Reginald King, Ebony, you star as August King. So whoever wants to go first, tell us a little bit about your characters. Well, I, I play the patriarch of the King family, and uh, I've sort of brought myself up uh, by the bootstraps, and, and, and uh, uh, I'm a surgeon, uh, but uh, I have this winery that is very, very successful that uh, my children run, uh, but they, there's a little bit of conflict as some of my secrets come out. Uh, it affects how uh, they deal with one another and how they do business, and that is some of the uh, drama that is that is driving the show. But uh, my character, uh, he's very grounded, very at ease uh, in his work and in himself. And uh, when I look at it, I say it's good to see, you know. Um, an African-American uh, playing a, a, a role like that uh, because it's something we don't see that much of. Most definitely so, yeah. And, and Ebene, who is Miss August King? August King is a millennial woman who is passionate about her family business, about um, her role in the family business, and about their legacy as a whole. Um, she, when we meet her at the start of the series, you know, she doesn't have everything figured out, but she's happy where she is in her career, and she's happy where she is in her life, her friendships, et cetera. And then with the events that happen in the pilot and the secrets that we learn about my dad, she's sort of challenged to step up 
um, as more of a leader in the family and in the business. And, you know, all the things that come with that, settling conflict or, you know, making decisions that maybe everybody doesn't love, but she feels, you know, is the right way to go. We see her deal with those things and she grows from, you know, uh, a, a young woman who's on a bright path, but she grows into into really a true leader, a true king, if you will, <laughs> um, as the theory, series goes on. And my final question, of course, this has to be the most important question. Did any of the you cast members, did you get to sample any of the vino, any of the wine there, or, or what? <laughs> you know, people yeah, always ask that. <laughs> Sorry, you go ahead, Isaiah. You take away. No, but I was going to say we 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 sampled some, you know, uh, within reason because we still had to shoot the show, so you couldn't get too carried away. Oh yeah. But um, but we sampled a, a lot of wines uh, and uh, got a great knowledge uh, on wine, and uh, uh, it was enjoyable. I mean, <laughs> it's one of the best jobs I've ever had. <laughs> I bet. Well, again, the, the world premiere is January 11th on the OWN Network, the Kings of Napa, and we've been enjoying looking at the promos that OWN has done such a great job with promoting the series, the upcoming series. So thank you to both of you for chatting, giving us some backstory. I, did, I had no idea you would have shot this in Canada. I, I love this backstory stuff. So anyway, thank you both, and we will see you uh, on January 11th in the Kings of Napa. See you on the 11th. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Have okay. a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. We are so out of time, but I want to thank all of our guests. All of our guests are from the uh, from shows on the OWN Network, so we want to thank all of them for taking the time to chat with us to introduce us. You, the viewers, me also a viewer. I'm a big fan of OWN. Uh, but anyway, to uh, inform us about some of the behind-the-scenes makings of their new shows. So make sure that you tune in to the OWN Network. Just lock it on the OWN Network so that you won't miss any of the shows. Again, uh, first show is, of course, Ladies Who List Atlanta that will be uh, premiering again on Friday night, January 7th. And check the listings for your time. And the other show will be premiering on uh, January 11th, again, on the OWN Network. So we will see you guys next time right here on Film Festival Radio Show. Have a fun and very safe weekend. And we'll see you next show. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.